0: Turn with me tonight in your Bible, if you have a copy of the Scriptures, uh, to uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 5. And we're thinking tonight about the theme, uh, for a few weeks at least, we'll see how the Lord leads, on amazing conversions in the Bible. And uh, I invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5. If you find the place, let's hear the word of the Lord. Now, Naaman, a captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. And he was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord saying Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel And the king of Syria said Go to, go And I will send a letter unto the king of Israel When he departed and took with him ten talents of silver And six thousand pieces of gold And ten changes of raiment and he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying Now when this letter is come unto thee Behold I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee That thou mayest recover him of his leprosy And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter That he rent his clothes and said Am I God to kill and to make a life? That this man doth send unto me To recover a man of his leprosy Wherefore consider I pray you And see how he seeketh a quarrel against me And it was so When Elisha the man of God had heard That the king of Israel had rent his clothes That he sent to the king saying Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes Let him come now to me And he shall know that there's a prophet in Israel So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot And stood at the door of the house of Elisha And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying Go and wash in Jordan seven times And thy flesh shall come again to thee And thou shalt be clean But Naaman was wroth and went away and said Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call in the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and far for rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him, and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he saith to thee, Wash and be clean. Then went he down, and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, And he was clean And he returned to the man of God He and all his company And came and stood before him And he said Behold now I know That there is no God in all the earth But in Israel Now therefore I pray thee Take a blessing of thy servant We'll end the reading there at verse 15 And we pray God will stamp With his own approval and blessing This reading of God's infallible word Now, my text tonight is taken from 2 Kings chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. And my theme this evening is lessons from the amazing conversion of Naaman the leper. Now, this is a familiar chapter to many of you as God's people. The story of the healing of Naaman the leper is one that's well known And one that's been preached on many times by a variety of true gospel preachers Not only in the Lord's day evening but especially in gospel missions And this chapter, 2 Kings chapter 5 And this story, the healing of Naaman the leper it Has really been used as a word picture regarding the salvation of of one's immortal soul. And what is interesting is the fact that the Holy Ghost takes a whole chapter, a full 27 verses, to cover the whole story. And of course, Naaman was one of those that was mentioned by the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 4. Now, here in this chapter, we've got all the factual details. You've got the diagnosis of Naaman's leprosy. That's a picture of sin, of course, in the body. You've got here the lesson in soul winning from the life and language of a little maid. You've got here the disclosure of Naaman's pride. The fact that Naaman had a a bad mindset. I thought, he said, He, he went to the wrong person. He went to the king of Israel instead of the prophet. You've got here the actual bodily transformation of Naaman as he dipped seven times in the river Jordan. We could could talk about Naaman as the big dipper. The big dipper, of course, is down in Port Rush. But humanly speaking, Naaman's like a big dipper because he dipped seven times in Jordan. And in the seventh time, his flesh was made clean as the flesh of a little child. And the story ends with the sin of Gehazi. Remember Elisha's servant. Gehazi was a covetous man. And God judged him. And the very leprosy that Naaman had ended up in Gehazi, um, God's servant. It's all here. Every aspect and detail of the story. And it really deserves the closest and scrutiny and we could really say the widest spiritual application to our hearts and really when I thought about the whole chapter I I thought about doing a little mini-series just on the amazing conversion of Naaman the leper but rather than use a a mini-series to tell you the story I'm going to actually attempt it tonight in just one single sermon Uh, So I I trust that you'll bear with me And that's why I've shortened the hymns slightly tonight I want you to think of four things in the chapter I want you to think first of all Of the plague that is diagnosed Look with me at verse 1 Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria Was a great man with his master and honourable Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria He was also a mighty man in valour But he was a leper Underline those words But he was a leper in your Bible Here we're given information about Naaman Who he was What he was like And why he's really mentioned in the Bible In connection with Elisha the prophet The man of God Notice Naaman's prominence It says now Naaman Captain of the host of the king of Syria What does that really mean? It literally means, young people, that Naaman was the commander-in-chief of the Syrian armed forces. Syria, of course, was one of Israel's ancient enemies. It's still one of Israel's enemies to this day. The land of Syria is in the news. It's a real country. You can go to Damascus today. There was a real commander-in-chief centuries ago in charge of the armies And that one was Naaman. He was the top general. He was the number one man. He was answerable to no one but the king. And he was well known for his military exploits and his ability in the field of warfare. Notice his popularity. He was a great man with his master. He was a personal friend of the king. The king thought well of his commander-in-chief. The king would have spoken about him. Hast thou considered naming my commander-in-chief of the armed forces? If you'd asked the question, What do you think of the commander-in-chief of the armed forces? Well, it would have been, he's a great man. He's doing a, a marvelous job. He would have been well spoken of. He would have been praised. Notice his praise. It says, and honorable. Isn't that interesting? He was a man of his word. A man whose exploits were recognized and rewarded. He was a good man on and off the battlefield. A married man. One that ruled well his own house. How he treated his slaves. What was reflected. We know from Flavius Josephus, the Roman historian, that it's widely believed by tradition, although not stated in the Bible, that the man who drew the bow at the venture... That, that, that shot the arrow that killed King Ahab in the battlefield. Was actually Naaman himself. Notice his privilege. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. The victory of the ancient enemy. Here's God at work behind the scenes. Sovereignly and providentially. And he allowed Israel to be defeated by the hands of the Syrians. Notice his prowess. He was also a mighty man in valor. He was a brave man. He was fearless in the battlefield. A man of courage. A man of conviction. A man who led his army from the front. Can you see all that there in the text? Because I want you to understand the word of God. I want you to look at the book and I want you to learn something. Now notice his problem. But he was a leper. It's mentioned Underline that. These words, but he was. Notice that they're slightly leaning in the authorised version of the Bible. Do you know what that means, young people? That means that these words were in italics. That is, they're not in the original. It was added by the translator to give the sense. Literally, it reads two words. A leper. Here's this verse, and it's lauding the greatness of Naaman. And it adds to the picture one simple fact, but he was a leper. Naaman suffered from the plague of leprosy, a vicious, incurable, transferable disease, a disease that um, raged from the inside out, a a a disease that um, ravaged the body until it was wrecked with pain, leaving the individual feeling numbed, causing him to lose the use of his limbs. And Bible times, everyone that was diagnosed with leprosy, not like today, he became an outcast. And he lived in the leper colony with the other lepers. And he was separated from his family, his, his, his tribe. He lost his job and he had to use a bell and went about ringing it, crying unclean and unclean. Now, now think of Naaman tonight. He had all that he could wish for in life. But he was ruined with one death-destroying plague, the plague of leprosy. And it took away, I believe, his prospect of a happy, wholesome life. It took away his prospect of a bright future. And he had many fine characteristics. But here's the misery that Naaman faced. He was a leopard. We're not told how long he had it. We're not told how he contracted it. We're not told how far advanced it was or what stage it was at. But merely the fact, in the original, Naaman was a leopard. Now, now listen to me carefully. Leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. The Bible teaches that we're all born sinners by nature and practice. The psalmist said, Behold, I was shaped in the iniquity, and sinned did my mother conceive me. Romans 3 and 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When did all sin? We, we sinned in Adam. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Sin remembers any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. And listen to this: sin pays wages. The Bible says, "The wages of sin is death." Spiritual death. Spiritually, estranged from God. Physical death. That's why we die. We die because of the reason of sin in the world and eternal death. Let me tell you something else. Sin, like leprosy, is transferable. The guilt and punishment of Adam's first transgression was imputed and transferred to the whole of humanity. Sin affects others. It spreads. And sin separates us not only from God, but from others. Think of a leper and the leper colony and calling out unclean. And you know, sin can cause us to lose our own souls. Didn't Jesus say, if you die in your sins, where I am, there you cannot be three times? John 8, 22 to 24. Didn't he say, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Here's something more pitiful and dreadful than the plague of leprosy at work in the human body. The plague known as sin that we're born with, that, that, we, that we live with. That is transferable and affects others. And humanly speaking, there's no human care, cure for the sin problem. No human cure for the mountain of guilt that we have. No, no human cure for the pollution of our hearts that loves sin, and' is not the picture of every sinner tonight naturally speaking outside of Christ. Yes, many can do well in this life. they can be prominent. They can be popular, they can have possessions, they can be popular, they can even have prowess in their field or station of life. They can do great exploits, they can be praised and well speaking of. But the reality is that we're all born spiritually lepers in God's sight and all need to be cured. All need to be cleansed, all need to be converted. I have a message for you tonight. Whether you're here in the church service or listening on the internet, if you're outside of Jesus Christ, if you're not found in Christ tonight, then you need to be cleansed from your sin. You need to be converted by the grace and power of God. You need to be changed by the grace and transforming power of the Lord. Maybe you're saying, but I'm not a drunkard or an adulterer or a wife, picker, or an abuser of children. And that that may be true. And they are not your chief sins. But that doesn't take away from the fact that you're a sinner by nature and practice. Your chief sin could be unbelief. You know you need to be saved and you're not saved. You know you're a sinner and, and you've got a soul that needs to be saved as well as the heads in your body. And you just are an unbeliever tonight. Knowing to do good and doing it not, it is sin unrighteousness is in not loving God, though their heart, soul, mind, and strength is sin. Why? Because your heart's not right in God's sight. Not only is it mentioned, but think of the misery. Doesn't the Bible say the way of the transgressor is hard? Doesn't the Bible talk about the pleasure of sin for a season? Most of us, if not all, have known men who are gravely ill Men who are sick unto death. Men who are at death's door. It's fatal and terminal. And we know that about women as well. You think tonight of those are lying in a hospital bed. And in the hospital bed when fatal and terminal illness comes people have time to think. And God in those moments can shatter your frail vessel and burst your bubble about your life and circumstances. And, and you see, illness can be God's strategy to speak to you. To, to, to deal with you. To, to, to teach and tell you about your sin and about your soul. And God can work sovereignly and providentially behind the scenes. And, and, and sickness can bring misery into the life. I remember a mission in the county Monaghan. There was a six-week tent mission. It was run by the faith mission. The preacher was the evangelist, Tommy Sharkey, who's now in the glory. And there was a son that that farmer had, and he had no time for God. He had no thought of his sin. When asked to go to the mission, he said, no, we'll not be there. And one evening, as the mission was commencing, maybe into its second week and into its third week, he had just jumped up from the dinner table and he run out and he jumped in a tractor. It was a wee Massey Ferguson 135. And as he jumped in the tractor, he gave a shout. And the mother could hear it from the kitchen window. There's something wrong with our jaw. And you know what had happened? He snapped the disc in his back. And boy, was he an peeing? And he ended up in the hospital in Monaco. And, and he was in traction there. And the old preacher Tommy Sharkey went to visit him. John kept a lock of pigs. And you know what old Sharky said to him in wisdom? John, do you know the only time a pig looks up? When well, it's on his back. And John, I'm going to tell you the truth. God has put you in your back. He's brought you into hospital. He's given you this misery of this snap dust for a reason. And in that misery, he brought to John a message that God was speaking to him. And through that, when John got out of hospital in the last few nights of the mission, he was there. And glory to God, before that mission ended, Tommy Sharkey had the joy of leading John to the Lord. The plague that is diagnosed, despite all that this man had, it mentions he was a leper. And that's a picture of sin. And sin brings its own misery. Notice something else that really struck me. And this is maybe in a sense a sermon on its own. The providence that's disclosed. Look at verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. Now, there's a mystery here. The Syrians had gone out by companies, and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited or 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 or, or tended to the needs of Naaman's wife. Now, now you you've got to think, you see, of days of warfare. Ben Hadad king of Syria and Johoran king of Israel were at war. Uh, I've already told you that Flavius Josephus has suggested by tradition that it was Na- um, uh, Naaman that had killed King Ahab and, and the, 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 the battle had been over at now for a little season. The Israelites had fled. The Assyrians because they didn't encounter any resistance they were Able to cross the northern border, and in one of their raids across the border, they enslaved a little maid. They carried her away captive, and she ended up in the home of Naaman. Now, now think of that. This little maid, we don't know her name or her age. Her home life is completely shattered. What about mum and dad? We, we don't read of them. Were, were they murdered in the raid? Were they left grief stricken that their little girl had been taken? One of their daughters kidnapped? Can you imagine the heartache? Could you imagine the grief and the tears? Why had God allowed this? It didn't make any sense. There was a state of anguish and and, and behind the scenes. Their mysterious providence is at work. Because even in this... The kidnapping of a little maid. God has a plan and God has a purpose. Nothing, I believe, is by chance. And at times, yes, in life we can't trace God's hand. But you know what? We can trust his heart. God is a key to unlock the mysteries of life. We often ask why. A loved one has been taken tragically from our midst. The loneliness and the emptiness is unbearable. A friend is suffering a severe illness. A relative is battling with life problems. And it doesn't make sense. And in the tragedy as it unfolds, we have a right to ask why. And we go to God and and there's no answer. And the reality is it's a dark mystery. But in the mystery... God is at work. And even though we can't see it at times, we've got to believe that by faith. We've got to trust his heart. Because as for God, his way is perfect. Not only is there a mystery here, but notice there's a maid here. She's called a little maid. We're told it's just taken captive out of the land of Israel. As I've told you, we don't know her name. She's unknown to us. We don't know her age. Maybe she was a teenage girl, 13, 14, but she was old enough to wait on her mistress to fetch and carry can you imagine the distress of the little maid put yourself in her shoes snatched by violent men her sense of grief at the loss of her family wanting her mummy wanting her daddy she's in a strange land land of Syria she's in a different culture she's in a different home She's got this master, and his name is Naaman. And it wasn't easy. I've asked myself, did she ever plan to escape? Was her heart full of bitterness at being snatched away from her home? Did she hate her master? Did she blame God? You know, there's not a hint of it. We don't even read that she wallowed in self-pity. Her heart wasn't full of unbelief. She wasn't bitter in blaming God. Yes, life was hard for her. I have no doubt about that. But in the midst of that, I want to tell you something she did. She put forth and made a simple testimony. Look at verse 3. Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. You see, here was a positive assertion of her faith. There's a prophet in Samaria. She knew about the prophet, Elisha. Elisha means God is my salvation. She knew where he lived in Samaria. She knew that he was a man of God. He he represented God in the land. A a man filled with God's power who knew God's will. And and if Naaman got to him and spoke to him, then, then Naaman could be healed. There's no natural resentment to Naaman. She could have thought to herself, Leprosy deserves him right. God's punishing him for making me a captive. She could have bargained with Naaman and said, You know, I can tell you how to be healed if you let me go home. Do you know, this maid, folks, was one of God's precious nobodies, a little priceless treasure. I believe she knew God's grace in her heart and life She knew about God's power to heal She knew about God's being, Elisha God is my salvation She was a real little gospel preacher And I want to tell you tonight by way of encouragement Are you listening? If God can use a maid Then he can use you and me God doesn't stick to one pattern God hasn't got one mold that fits all The maid has been taught the great truths of God's word She had been taught to trust in the Lord despite her circumstances. She she had been no doubt told of the meaning of salvation. And here she is, and she's talking and raising up a testimony of what God is able to do through his prophet. She was confident and she was courageous. And she was used by God. God had a work for her to do. The maid didn't heal Naaman, the maid simply told him how he could be healed. There's a prophet. He's in Samaria. And uh, this prophet could heal. You see, the maid did what she could. Now, let me ask this question. Are you going to do what you can for God in the midst of your lot for life? I believe this little maid was saved. She was converted. And here she is raising a testimony to God's power. And is that little maid a picture of you? As we come into the autumn and the winter work... Will you give yourself to prayer for God's blessing? Will you go door to door in your community? Think of the many that are unchurched, that are sad and misery and lonely. Would you give out a tract? Like the tracts were given out in Dublin last weekend. And we appreciate Ivor and what he tried to do in the Lord's name. 800 tracts and 4,000 gospel coins. Think about the Sunday school. And and parents that could be visited and asked if they'd let the children come. And in the workplace, and I know you have to be careful because you could run foul of employment legislation, but but maybe there's a work colleague that you can invite to church some night. The great W.P. Nicholson, the great prince of Presbyterian preachers used to pray, Lord, save us from loafers. Lord, send us laborers. You see, I, I believe that we need to do more. We need to pray more. We need to give more of our time and our talents and our tithe. We need to say like Isaiah, here am I, Lord. Send me, cleanse me, fill me, use me. Lord, let me fulfill your will. You see, I thank God for the little maid. We think, of course, that we could have no impact or effect upon our community, our family. But this little maid did what she could. She was confident. She was courageous. Let me tell you something else about her. She was compassionate. Not only did she do what she could, we could ask why she did what she could. Because she had a genuine love for people. She couldn't bear to see Naaman suffer. She didn't say it serves him right. God is punishing him. She thought about the leprosy and the fact that he could die from his leprosy. She didn't say he deserved it. The man's a murderer. Murdered my people. Murdered my family. The man's a thief. He stole me away. She she could maybe have had righteous anger in her heart. But she had. She overcome that evil with good. And another question came to mind was this. How compassionate are we when it comes to souls and the need to have a vision for lost, perishing souls? Is our evangelism based on a compulsion? We we must do it. Or is it based on compassion? A man wrote to General Booth one time, sent him a letter. He was seeing little fruit, no souls were being saved, nobody was being restored to the Lord. There seemed to be a lot of sin among God's people, and he wrote this letter to General Booth and the Salvation Army, and he was expecting a large letter back by way of explanation. General Booth was a man of few words, and he wrote back two words, and it was this try tears. Having a real, genuine, heartfelt concern. Do we have that concern The providence That's discussed A mystery involving A maid And the maid had a message for the man's misery And she was Confident Courageous And glory to God she was compassionate Notice quickly The problem that was detailed You see Poor Naaman He made a a couple of major mistakes. If you move on in the story, in verse 11 it says, But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought. Two words, I thought. He thought how he could be cured. He had his own idea. And this was his biggest mistake, I thought. And isn't that the big mistake that many make in Northern Ireland? I think. I feel this. I believe this should happen. You see, it's not the matter what we think or feel or believe. It's what God says that counts. God had spoken to Naaman uh, through the prophet. And what did the prophet say? Go and wash in Jordan seven times. And Naaman was mad at that. I thought. Many fail to recognize that God has spoken in His Word. Many have a false attitude towards spiritual matters. And a false attitude can lead to the road to hell and perdition. All roads do not lead to God, all religions are not the same. There's not good and bad in all religions. In fact, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. It was Peter that said, Acts 4 verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And I want to say tonight, all other ways lead to damnation. And all other roads but Christ lead to damnation. And all other remedies apart from Christ lead to damnation. What did the prophet tell him? God is my salvation. That's what Elisha means. He says go wash in Jordan seven times. And it's the same message. Do you know that Jordan represents death? In the place of death there could be life. Jordan means a descender. And there's only one Jordan. And it's all a picture of Christ. Christ. The way, the truth, the life. He said, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And it's not what I thought. The the, the sin of pride has got to be repented of. There's got to be a, a getting down in the dust before God and crying out, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And here's the problem that is detailed. Naaman said, I thought. Not only did he go to the wrong person, he wanted to go to the wrong place. All because of his thought Notice one final thing That really needs a whole sermon But we'll just finish with this point The power that was determinate He eventually did go to Jordan And he dipped seven times Can you see him Getting into the water One time Two times Three times Four times he comes up The leprosy is still there The fifth time Comes up, the leprosy's still there. Sixth time, the spots of leprosy are still there. How many times did that man say? Seven times. How many is that? It's only six. I've got him dipped down again. And the big dipper dipped the seventh time. And he came up. And what does the Bible tell us? And his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. There's another leper in the Bible in Luke 5 Asked the Lord Jesus To make him clean Christ had already asked him Wilt thou be made whole? And he was told go and wash And I say to you tonight That that river Jordan Is a perfect picture of Christ Because in the place of life there's death In the place called Mount Calvary where Christ died There's life and life abundant, life indeed, life to the full. Because he said, I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. And he descended from heaven that he might ascend to heaven after he'd offered his once and for all sacrifice for sin. And there's only one Jordan. And there's only one place called Calvary where the blood was shed. And if you come to that cross tonight and kneel as a sinner and ask to be washed and cleansed in that precious blood, Glory to God, we have a message. And the message is the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth from all sin. And the leprosy of sin can be dealt with, can be carried away, can be covered over, can be cancelled out, all by the power of the blood of Christ. Here's an amazing conversion of Naaman, the leper. Are you converted tonight? Do you know that you're in Christ? Was there a time, a moment, a day in your experience when you were washed and made clean, and you know that you have a full and free and forever pardon? Your sins are under the blood. You can put your head in the pillow and say it's well with my soul tonight. Is that your testimony? There's many amazing testimonies in the Bible. You need to be converted. But you need to be converted by Christ. God's way to the glory of his name. Thank you for listening tonight. I trust the Lord will bless these few remarks to her heart. And even apply the lessons about the maid to her soul. We're going to sing in closing 273. Just a couple of verses.